This podcast may contain explicit language. Welcome to the greatest MCU movie of all time crossover podcast, the show that uses a unique grading style to redefine what the greatest MCU movie is. I'm Tom Duncan. And I am Adam. Today we are discussing the second movie of the MCU, the mostly forgotten, The Incredible Hulk from 2008. If you want the first half of our discussion on the movie, you can subscribe to the Streaming Circuit Podcast. I got that right this time, right? You did. You nailed it, buddy. All right. I got that wrong the first time we did this, so I just wanted to make sure. But we're here now to apply the patent pending Stanley rubric started by my regular show, Greatest Movie of All Time podcast, to determine the greatest MCU movie of all time. So we'll actually have a second entry to weigh against the original Iron Man episode we did last month in May. If you've never listened to the show before, that's okay. My regular show, Greatest Movie of All Time, uses our patent-pending Stanley rubric to grade movies on their legacy, their impact and significance in the moment of their release, their novelty, their classicness, and their rewatchability. Plus, then we also give all of you some points, too, by incorporating the audience scores from both Google and Rotten Tomato users. So our first category up is Legacy, and usually we split this category into both the industry side of things, because I think there's usually a perception that's different from an industry point of view. Hollywood is very insider-ish. And then there's the audience, or general America, let's say. So, Legacy being up first, where do you think, or where do you come down on the industry side of Legacy for The Incredible Hulk? So this is the highest score I'm going to give the film of any category, just to be clear. I gave it a five. Okay. I gave it a five because it does have some big names. I mean, Edward Norton's a pretty big name. I mean, I wouldn't say he's a movie star, but he's in a lot of good stuff. And he's a big name in Hollywood. Obviously, William Hurt. Liv Tyler, that's her name, right? Yes. That plays Betty Ross, yeah. Which um, we talked about. You confessed your love for her on my pod. I just said at one time I thought she was hot. (laughs) Potato, potato. Um, So there are some big names in it. And I think this gave the industry kind of proof of concept that people could be excited about franchising because this had never really happened before on this level of like, wait, you're going to connect two separate movies together. That doesn't make any sense, but we have the scene with Tony Stark at the end, which got people excited. That's probably what people are most excited about coming from this movie back in 2008. I didn't go see this movie in the theaters, but I would imagine that people lost their minds at one point in the movie when Tony Stark shows up and says, we're putting together a team. So I think it kind of gave the industry proof of concept. They're like, Oh, people could get excited about this. This might actually work. Cause up until that point, there was nothing to say that it would. Well, to be fair. And part of the reason that this movie is going to age poorly in classicness is looking at all of the tech of the time and how primitive we were computer wise there really weren't these internet rabbit holes in the fashion that we have now where you had fan theories all the time and you had big freakouts online and people who were making all of these connections. Honestly, I'm not sure if there was much overlap between the crowd for Iron Man and the Incredible Hulk. I'm sure there were some, but that was making a huge leap of connection from 
this one popover scene. Honestly, I remember renting Iron Man at the time and watching it once and not knowing anything about the end credit sequence. So I think I didn't even see the Nick Fury scene at the way end until probably after Avengers. Hmm. And I had seen that one in theaters. So I thought it was interesting. The first time that I got the full experience of the post credit sequence was after Iron Man 2 where you get the hammer in the desert. And I remember people kind of losing their minds at that point where it was like, Oh my God. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? Cause I was not a Marvel kid. I have never been a Marvel kid. I enjoy the movies and the stories overall and the universe they've created, especially because they had so many likable stars. But yeah, you know, I, I, I can't say that this one really did much for me on that side. If we're just going on the industry side of things, it's really hard for me to say, even though it's got the branding of an MCU, it's the only distributed Marvel film by Universal. It's the only one featuring Edward Norton. They immediately recast. There's no other standalone Hulk film within the overall MCU. So it has no staying power whatsoever. We already talked about that there's one character that recurs in the Infinity Saga, which is at least right now what we've chosen to focus on. So I just can't see that even though this made some money, the fact that you didn't really have Disney, well, I guess it wouldn't have been Disney at this point. It would just been Marvel Studios wanting to kind of recreate a second one. And even with trying to do Mark Ruffalo, because it would have been a soft reboot to your soft reboot already, that I can give it full points for this. It it just the legacy is undercut by how much recasting and retconning they did where I said it on your pod. I think this movie is so forgettable that nobody really recognizes this as being officially in the MCU. I think you can very easily skip from Iron Man one to Iron Man two, then go to Thor captain America, first Avenger and Avengers. And you have just as much information as anybody. And as much as you need without ever having to acknowledge that Edward Norton was a Hulk. For sure, yeah. And you'll do, do do just fine. So I honestly think as far as legacy on the industry is concerned, I think at best I can maybe give it a two. And that's Ooh, okay. only because, I mean, they didn't borrow the tone on this. And if it's not really recognized as being part of the general Marvel grouping, especially... You know what? I'm even talking myself into lower than that because this is supposed oh, to be my. against other Marvel films. Yeah. If it's not even really included by the industry at large or the audience. So I'm going to go one and a one. Wow. Okay. I tried to be nice. I didn't know how low we were going to go on this. So I'll change my industry to a four because I get, I bumped, I bumped everything up a point just to be nice. So I'm going to change my industry to a four. I love that. We're going to tear this thing to shreds. Well, I, I just, I want to do it justice because I, and no, this I is the you. thing I run into all the time with my dad. He gives a lot of like really mid-level numbers and I like to kind of tear things to the extreme. Sometimes you have to have a baseline one so that you know what a two is and sure. etc. all the way up yeah. the marker. You have to at least give one ten occasionally to know what's worthy of a 10. If nothing's worthy of a 10, then what's the point of having the scale? Yeah, that's fair. So I'm going to switch industry to a four. And then everything else is going to be pretty lower. That's the highest I gave anything. I gave the public a two 
because no one considers this, like you said, no one even considers this an MCU movie. It's the bastard child of the franchise. People don't want to rewatch it. It's not on Disney Plus, which surprised me. I thought it was. I mean, I own it because I own every MCU movie, so it didn't matter to me, but I was surprised. Did it ever used to be on there? Do you know? I know you haven't tried to watch it, but. I would guess not. Again, we talked about it a little bit on the first one, and I mentioned it kind of a second ago, but because Universal has this and they have all the distribution rights, I think at this point it's kind of reverted back to Disney and Marvel Studios because they haven't done anything with the property. But even so, I just don't see this movie probably popping up anytime soon, and they probably just want to shelve it because throwing this up on Peacock or whatever isn't going to do them much good. So that's a four average between the two of us. Okay. You brought up some great points. When did you first get into the MCU? Like, when were you first, like, fully in? Maybe not like, oh, I've seen something, but, like, you're in from this point on all the way. So, I mean, I dipped my toe in some stuff. I remember we talked about Iron Man, and I saw that probably six months later as just a rental. I did not go to theaters to see it. But I enjoyed the movie, and then I got exposed to it a lot while I was working not at Sam's Club, but in a Sam's Club. I was technically working for this other company that subcontracted, but I was in the electronics department. And so this Spider-Man 3, Bolt, and Marley and Me, I think I've seen 60 times each because they just play them on a loop. So if you had a six-hour shift, you saw this movie like three times without the sound, but you kind of got the gist of what was going on. I remember going to the midnight showing of Iron Man 2 and that being a big deal for people at the time. I was not overly impressed with the movie, but I'm like, okay, that was fine. I did not see Thor in theaters. I do remember the campaign behind it at the time. And I do remember seeing the first Captain America in theaters and kind of they have that post credit sequence where they're kind of teasing Avengers and that being a big deal. I enjoyed that movie and I I thought, yeah, I was kind of really in, but even with Avengers, it was not like I have to be there right away to see it. I've always, I've never really been or treated the Marvel Cinematic Universe as like an opening day type thing for me, no matter what it is. Interesting. Even Endgame, I think I waited like three weeks to see it. Blasphemous. Blasphemous. I I had a lot going on at that time. I was in a really toxic relationship, but that's beside the point. Oh. Yeah. So anyway, I don't know. I, I mean, it was probably Winter Soldier where I'm like, oh, these are just going to be good. Mm. But even then, like Iron Man 3, I remember seeing in theaters. I don't think I saw Thor Dark World in theaters, but probably about the time where it was Winter Soldier because Winter Soldier is way better than it needed to be. That's fair. It is. It I, is I'm still good. impressed. As far as novelty on that one, I'm already going to just kind of disclose this probably like a year early, but that movie, as far as the writing and what they did to adapt a character that had almost no relatability to a modern day sense and making that somehow relevant, I thought is one of the most novel things in this universe that they've ever done. Wow. Yeah, that's fair. Iron Man 3 was the first one I saw in theaters. I'd seen Iron Man later that like Christmas time when it came out and I liked it. And then I remember, but I never like went to see any of the other ones. 
And I remember um, in high school, we had like team dinners like every night. And one of the one of my buddies on the team was huge into these movies, and he played us the Avengers one night. And I remember sitting there thinking, "This is the dumbest movie I've ever seen." Like I couldn't, I I thought it was stupid. And then I had a girl. I went on a date to see Iron Man three. And I was like, oh, "Fine, I'll go see it, whatever." And I loved it. And I was like, "Oh, I should give these a shot." And then I was in from there on. So Iron Man three on, I've seen every Marvel movie opening weekend. So you haven't seen Guardians three. I have not yet seen Guardians three. I was going to go with my sister, but then my mother kept pushing dinners back. Like she would promise us because I'm currently splitting time between Madison and my home area because I'm in between major jobs or my premium job. What I'm not even really sure how to refer to it, but there's only one theater showing it at one time. And so it was like, either wow. you go at 625 or you don't go at all. And my mother would say, oh, we're going to have dinner at five o'clock. And then it'd be 545. And I'm like, we're not making this movie. Oh, my God. You got to go see it. You got to find it. You got to make a 625 work because it's good. I almost went over the weekend, but financially, I I just, yeah, I stayed home and I think I watched Infinity War and Endgame back to back. And I'm like, yeah, this is fine. This is a good substitute. Those are pretty good, too. But yeah, Guardians 3. Yeah, because I forgot how good Infinity War was. Pretty darn good. Well, I've. I haven't seen it in several years, and then I'm like, this is really flipping good. Like, I've seen Endgame a bunch of times, because that's the one they win, so it's much easier to watch. But I, I remember walking out of Infinity War with this, like, numbness. Because I'm yes. like, oh, shit. Yes, they lost. Crazy. And I gotta wait a year for them to win. I re- yeah, I remember, and we're, we're on an Infinity War tangent now. My bad. Um, Whatever. I, I mean, we've been doing this. You, you wanted less tangents, but, you know, it was going to happen. We're going to get more. I, so um, I had a, I was in college when Infinity War came out. We had a conference championship that we were leaving for on Friday night. So we went to see it, or Saturday morning. We went to see it Friday night as like a team. A bunch of us did. We get on the bus the next day, and this kid didn't go with us to see it. And he's paranoid AF. Like, he is, like, covering his ears. He doesn't want to hear anybody talk about it. And one kid goes... Dude, it was crazy. Everybody died. And he was like making a joke though. And the kid was like, Oh, like, don't don't tell me that. Like, don't be serious. And he's like, No, I'm just joking. And I never got the reaction of the kid after he saw it. But I was just I remember covering my face. I was like, Oh my God, everybody did die. This kid's in for it. And it was just it was a funny well, moment. Only half of everybody died. All the important people died. Except for Tony and Rocket. They lived. Woo. Steve. He's fine, I guess. Bruce. Fine, I guess. All the original Avengers lived. Because they needed their last moment in the sun. True. But they're going to get more. Because Secret Wars is coming. So They're not all coming back. I'm sorry. It's not. Really? Happening. You don't think so? No. Oh, I do. 100%. Especially now they don't have a Kang. Come on. <laughs> they they can just recast <laughs> Kang. That's, that's easy enough to do. Is it, though? And I don't know if they've officially fired him. I haven't heard any statements. No, they haven't. I honestly don't think they're going to recast him. I think they're just going to let it play out and then not recast him. Because also they need to start filming like very soon. Because Kang yeah. Dynasty comes out in like 26 months. So that needs to yeah, start Yeah, that's going to be soon. pushed back. There's no way it's happening in 26 months. Probably not. But it's Not with the writer's strange. strike. 
like with the recasting, I don't know. I mean, they recast the Hulk, and that they've uh, already paused production on Blade. There's no way with the writer oh, strike Blade. and likely to be the actors, directors, and producers guilds all striking here within probably the next month that anything is going to be made. Are we surprised Blade got pushed back though? I mean, come on, uh, that was probably getting pushed back regardless of strike. That movie is in hell. <laughs> probably never coming out. I'm just saying it's no, I know I feel you. This strike is going to last till probably Christmas because they got to make the studios feel it. It was all fun and games until stranger things. Season five got pushed back. Then it was real. You mean the show I still haven't watched? Then I was upset. It's so good. You have to watch stranger things. I I do not. My life is just fine without it. It's not. I'm telling you right now. It's not. It's a great Halloween. Like just watch it over Halloween, like in October. It's a perfect Halloween show. You were having this debate with Kieran of the BPC the other day on Twitter of like favorite horror film, like subcategories. And I'm like, I can't contribute at all to this. I don't watch horror films. Okay. But it's stranger things is not a horror show. I mean, it's got like horror elements, but it is not a scary show. Like you're not going to be scared watching stranger things. It's I might at some point bring myself to watch part of it. Kind of like, I think at some point I will get around to watching the last of us. But my interest is going to be so low just coming in that I, I can't imagine myself really enjoying it. Insane. You're insane. I watch okay. Succession. You have to watch Stranger Things. That's the deal. I watch Succession. You have to watch Stranger Things. I'm sorry. Are you trying to barter after the fact for me making you watch the greatest television show of at least the last five well, years? Okay. I don't know. Stranger Things, if they land this, because the, the next season is the last season. If they land the plane, it might be my favorite show of all time. If they land the plane. It's like on the office tier of greatness. Gotta check it out. Gotta check it out. Where were we? Were we talking about the Hulk? We never got to impact significance. That's the next category? Okay. Yeah, so this is within the five years. So this is roughly 2008 to 2013. And again, I gotta think this is relatively low you might be able to salvage a couple of points on the audience and the industry side of things because it made some decent money, but comparative to like Iron Man, it's probably what half the gross receipts of either of those. So I just can't sit here and say a movie that they immediately recast that fed into a different movie that was much bigger and had a much different tone. Like they didn't really borrow anything from this except a couple of plot points and a throwaway reference in the beginning of Avengers where he says he took out half of Harlem. So I, I, I hate to go back to back on this. I don't think I can go one and one because it did make some decent money and there are a lot bigger flops in Hollywood and the rest of this stuff. But I think I'm going to go for a two and a two. That's fair. I went with a one for public. This made zero impact. No significance. No one cares about this movie at all. We'll probably never watch it again unless we unless we're like redoing the MC this MCU project someday. Like we'll never watch this movie again. It's a trivial pursuit question more than it is anything else at this point. Yeah. For the industry, I gave it a three. And here's why I gave it such a high score. It scared Marvel out of even attempting another Hulk movie. And I, re- I really do think it scared them. Because, you know, you can talk about the universal of it all, and that's fair. They don't want to share the profits, but they're perfectly fine doing that with Sony because they're making kick-ass Spider-Man movies that are making a ton of money 
and that are working. This wasn't working. Clearly, this wasn't going to work. Did, do you have the box office? Do you know? I, I know you mentioned it. I mean, I, I can look it, it up here. I don't have it immediately in front of me, but I do think that that's a bit apples and oranges. Every Marvel contract for all the rights of their major players had a certain stipulation that if you did not make a new movie of this character within a certain period of time, then the rights reverted back to Marvel. And with Sony and Spider-Man, they're trying to build out their own other sub-universe of, you know, the Venom stuff and, what was it, Morbius and all these other characters to try and at least keep that continuity alive. Universal was not looking to make a Hulk universe outside of that. Like, with the Eric Bana Ang Lee movie, I think that was so universally deadpan that they were willing to let Marvel have the rights back to make the movie. They just held on to the distrib- or distribution rights. And even then, this movie wasn't what they wanted to do. And again, it did not set the tone they exactly wanted. They figured something else out with Iron Man. And because the two were so close together, I think we said a month. Yeah. I don't think there was anything they were going to do tactically to fix it, but you didn't need a standalone thing. I think what they did was the best of both worlds, and they kind of ended up doing a similar thing with Iron Man and the distribution rights for that as well by just basically making no other standalone Iron Man films after their distribution deal died with Paramount, where we were making three Iron Man films, and then we're just going to insert him in other other things. Yeah, no, that's fair. But I also think if this movie was super successful, like the Spider-Man Homecoming was, because I I believe Venom came out after Homecoming, correct? I believe so, yeah. Yeah. If this movie was super successful, Universal might have been like, oh, why don't we do something with this? Like, why don't we make another Hulk movie? You know, I think there would have been more push to do something with it if this movie had worked. Unfortunately, but they didn't have the rights at that point to make the movie. They had no ability to make any type of sequel on their own. They only had the distribution. No, yeah, that's fair. But they could have made like a Namor movie because I believe Universal. I I don't know with Universal if the rights have reverted back or not. I I know they did with X-Men and we're going to. That's uh, 20th Century Fox. No, I know it's a different company. I'm not sure 100% if the rights because I know Universal had Hulk and Namor were the two big ones. And I know that. Disney's allowed to use those characters in their movies, but they weren't allowed to make a standalone movie. I don't know if they've reverted back yet or not, but I think they could have tried something. I think they at least did on the Hulk. Okay. But then like, why haven't we seen a Hulk movie or why aren't they even trying that? At this point, do you really need it? But that's what I'm saying though. Like, that's the point. Like if this movie worked, yes, we would have gotten more Hulk movies if this one worked. And you could say like, well, Ruffalo, maybe it would work. And I think it probably would. But I think they're realizing the first one didn't work so well. No one really cares about it. Let's just keep using him as a side character and not a main movie, which is crazy because Hulk is arguably the biggest Marvel character. I mean, Spider-Man's probably one. And then Hulk is probably two if you're talking like individual characters from the comics. Before the introduction of Tony Stark as Iron Man or Downey as Iron Man. Yes, I would agree with that. Yeah, I think. Yeah. So I I think this did have an impact on on Marvel's game plan of what they would do with the Hulk moving forward. Sure. I, I think that makes sense. 
either way, it still ends up as a four and an a, a four average between the two of us. Yeah, I gave it a three. I'm defending it passionately. I gave it a three, so it's not very good. Well, you actually gave it a four because it was three and one. Oh, okay. Okay, I see, okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Did you find the box office? Did you look that up? Nope. <laughs> I was looking at other things. Well, fuck me then, I guess. Yeah, I was secretly <laughs> watching porn over here. Hey, anyway. Whoa. You'll have to guess at what I was watching. Anyway, novelty. I will say because it's it's an interesting take. It's different than the other MCU movies that became a little bit more cookie cutter and kind of took the same Iron Man quippy, sarcastic tone, uh, a lot of jokes. It had some, which felt like kind of some add-in points, but this was much more of a character study it was much darker so i gotta give it a few points for that for being adventurous i don't think that the execution was quite there for me on a few things particularly as it comes to some of the cinematography so i think maybe i'd be comfortable at between a six and a seven so maybe 6.5 okay all right pretty high Probably the highest any it's going to get in any category tonight, I would guess. Yeah, it's probably not going to get much for classicness or rewatchability. I gave Novelty a three. Um, we we had just had a Hulk movie. When did the Ang Lee one come out? Like, not too, too long before this I one, wanted to right? say it was like 2003, 2004, somewhere in there. So, yeah, yeah so four, four or five, five years. years. Whereas all these other movies up until, what, Spider-Man? we hadn't had any of these characters have their own movie, at least initially. I mean, obviously Iron Man two and three, we had the the previous movies, but no character had had a movie outside of the MCU before the MCU, other than Spider-Man. And Hulk. no, there were other MCU teams that had movies outside of that, that were somewhat successful, obviously being the X-Men and the fantastic four, but no individual superhero character. Yeah. And we still even, even, gotten those movies we're not getting those for a while i don't think um with them in the mcu so yeah i think this one the novelty wasn't great you do make a great point though of it is different than most mcu movies it is grungier like i mentioned in in our pod or my pod um it gives like a fight club feel using the edward norton example how long do you think the mcu would have lasted if it was if they'd continued down this like iron man hulk iron man 2 type of movie they were making because they're very even the iron mans are very different than what they're doing now how long do you think they could have gone with this i don't know how much different iron man and iron man 2 are from the broader universe of what they were doing i think that they were experimenting with tone with individual characters and with certain writing i think that the same set of guys basically writing all three of the Captain America movies and then the two Infinity Avengers movies, so Infinity War and Endgame, aided to a lot of the same continuity from across those movies, whereas the Iron Man movies invented the tone and then they just blended the tone with the writing of the Captain America movies and somehow created what the last two Avenger movies kind of needed to be in this kind of sensation. And they thought they could somehow reproduce that with the tone, but without necessarily the writing and without the same direction. And all I'll say is if they had borrowed the same Incredible Hulk tone 
and formulation instead of going with Iron Man, it would have gone the way of the DCEU because this reminds me a lot of Batman versus Superman. Exactly. Not quite on the Martha level, but you know, the same kind of unusually dark take on every character that it just doesn't seem to marry with what the character's supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Looking at it of like the Disney, the Disneyfying of these movies. Cause I think Iron Man three is when it started to be uh, Disney producing them. I think that was the, no Iron Man three is the last one. I think that was on Paramount yet. I mean, it, they're all still under the auspices of Marvel studios as the creative engine. But as far as the distribution partner, that I think is the last Paramount Plus one because I think Dark World was the first one under the Disney banner. And I know by the time they got to Winter Soldier, it was definitely under that. Because then then when we got to Guardians, Ultron, and Ant-Man as the end of Phase 2, those were all under that banner. Yeah, because I mean, there is a clear shift. I, I would say probably at Guardians. Like from then on, it is a much it's much lighter in tone. There's a lot more jokes and it's also brighter too from guardians on. I feel like the movies get brighter and I just feel like it's disnifying it. And I feel like if they had not gone that route, we would not be here. If they kept the like paramount style of this movie making, I don't know if it gets as successful as it, as it is now. I could buy that. I think that as far as the silly cosmic stuff, James Gunn created a, tone and writing set for those because I don't think Ragnarok works without Guardians pre-existing it because that movie kind of creates the template in a way with a lot of the sarcasm, the quippiness, the tongue-in-cheek, breaking of the fourth wall kind of stuff and then blend in the pop music on top of it and the cultural references. You know, those two are very much hand-in-hand as to we're going into space, but let's make it silly type of mentality. Whereas everything on earth seemed to be much more grounded and a little gritty. Mm. Yeah. That's a good word. Gritty. Now, granted, I think they're taking it too far in phase four and five. I think they've gone too far the other way. I'd like to see a little more grit, but oh well. Well, they have chances with you and I yet to redeem it. I just think they've kind of gotten stories that are a little too complicated. Whereas I wish they would have kind of just soft reset the entire chessboard after Endgame and let themselves kind of rebuild. Yes. We'll borrow characters from other things, but we don't have to add in the 15 things that we already knew about them. So another group of kids could have grown up without having to watch 20 movies first with these new characters or whatever else. Let us develop new relationships with them. Yeah. Guardians 3, though, Marvel's back on track. That movie. That movie is prime Marvel again. Well, we'll see. I Quantumania, I think, comes out in our time when we're recording this, this week on Disney+. Plus. So I might be finally able oh. to see that one. And then we'll see about when we can get to Guardians yet. It you, might be this weekend. But. You're not going to like Quantumania. I, I know you're not going to like it. I liked it. I'm going to give it a I chance. I you're going to like it. I'm going to give it a chance. No, I believe you, but most people did not like it. I liked it, but talking about a a movie with a recast, maybe we're looking at that one too as as not aging well with the recast. Who knows? All right, so that's a good segue to classicness so that we don't completely run over time and I end up having to spend 
you know, three weeks trying to edit this, but classicness wise, I don't know how classic it is when your main character gets rewritten, your second main character and third main character kind of get tossed to the side. Your antagonist is borrowed for basically two scenes for the rest of this infinity saga. And one of the things that always, always, always takes me out of movies is seeing like really early flip phones and bad early (laughs) internet tech, all the stuff that was so primitive and especially compared to the stuff that we have now. So yeah, I, I don't know. I, uh, I gave it a, uh, a three for classicness. Um, the CGI, like I mentioned, I don't remember if it was on my pod or earlier in this pod. I don't think the CGI is disastrous. It could have been a lot worse than it was. It's nowhere near what it is obviously now, but I, like I mentioned before, I think it is a little, I think the Hulk looks better in this than she Hulk does in her show, which granted that's a, a show budget. And I understand that. And they had less time, but I also think, Maybe don't do it unless it's ready to go. So I think the CGI isn't as terrible as it could have been. And I think this is the best Hulk film ever. Like just like individual solo Hulk movie, probably the best. That's like saying the smartest member of the Kardashians. Huh. That's a good question. That's a good podcast topic. I don't know who it is. I don't know. Kendall? Uh, No, it's not Kendall. No, I don't. ah, Damn. Edit that out. I didn't say that. It's Chris. Sure. I don't know. I get them all mixed up. Kim is the most famous. I'm going to go Kim just because she's, she's the one who became the most famous. It's Kim. I don't it's know. It's between Kim or Kylie or yeah, Kylie is the hottest for me. But anyway. Well, hottest and smartest are very different questions. Exactly. <laughs> what did you give it for classicness? You didn't give a score. What did you give it? I give you a credit that the CGI or the practical effects are a lot better in these movies compared to the CGI fest that we have now, which look half cartoonish. See, you're really not going to like Quantumania. <laughs> when you say things like that, you're not going to like I, I'm aware of what people think kind of going in on parts of that, but, you know, I, I still have to try and keep as much of an open mind as I can. Regardless, oh, I mean, if, if I normally start as a seven and I got to give it a little bit of credit, at least a point ahead, but the actor choices, that's at least... Uh, a point down casting basically this movie away and hiding it. That's got to be probably worth two points down. And the tech for me is probably another half point down. So I think I'm at a 4.5. Have you ever given a movie a zero in anything? Or is that not allowed? I think recently I gave something like a 0.5. I think it might've been something for like the room. No, I think you made great points with the cast. I mean, if you if you just look at this movie, looking back, and you're telling someone who maybe has never seen the MCU, and and you you know you talk to them about while you're watching it, and they go, "Oh, that character, the Hulk." Well, it's actually they recast him. You're never actually going to see this actor again in the role. And they're like, "Okay, well, what about Thunderbolt Ross?" Yeah, you're going to see him a little bit, and they actually recast him too, which obviously an unfortunate different circumstance, but still. He's actually recast. You're not going to see this actor very much anymore. Uh, what about the love interest? I'm sure she plays a big part. Um, no, actually, you're never going to see her again until the fourth Captain America movie, and it's probably not going to make any sense. Okay, what about the villain? Well, he actually comes back about 15 years later, but he's redeemed, and he's kind of a good guy then. And it's just like nothing in this movie 
makes any sense moving forward. Nothing is connected to what this movie establishes at all. Okay, so that leads me into the next section. So that was a 3.75 average between the two of us, but you're leading somewhat into rewatchability. And I'm stuck between one of two minds. I think the movie is a standalone movie is okay. It's somewhat rewatchable. It's not the worst thing I've ever seen. It's not even in the bottom five of bad comic book films like Superman 4 or the original Suicide Squad or I'm trying to think what else would be the original Hulk movie. Fan four stick. <laughs> I never even saw that one intentionally. Uh, oh, you got to watch it. I did a podcast Spider-Man 2 is pretty bad. Batman and Robin with the bat nipples. Bat nipples. Yeah. Anyway, but on if we're just simply and this is all supposed to be somewhat in comparison with all the other Marvel films as opposed to all movies in general. So if I'm comparing against that, since I've actively said you can just skip over this one, it makes no difference. I think I have to go with zero. Whoa, whoa. Sound the alarms. Do we have an alarm? Nate, hit the alarm. Who's Nate? I don't know. The, the producer. I don't know. <laughs> I like to have a fake producer that I yell at, you know, like I yell things to. Like, Nate, hit it. There we go. A zero. Holy moly. Well, you kind of pushed me into it, asking me if I'd ever done it before. And sure, why not? Again, it's on the backing that you could skip over this movie and it makes no difference to your watching of the total MCU. Yeah, that's fair. I gave it a two for rewatchability. I do think it was, I'll, I'll say this, it was better than I thought. Like I was kind of dreading it. I was like, I don't want to do this. This is a waste of two hours. Like I got other stuff to do. You know, I got to go run. This is a waste of time. It was better than I thought. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm enjoying this more than I expected. But yeah, you're right. I mean, and I think you should look at it in terms of the entire MCU. You shouldn't look at this as a standalone film because it's not a standalone film. And that kind of it kind of bugs me too when people talk about the rhetoric around the MCU of like, well, these movies are becoming homework, and you know you shouldn't have to watch this movie to, and it just it drives me nuts. It's like you wouldn't read the fourth book of a series, and be like, well, I should be able to read this book and and not be confused about all these characters. That, that doesn't make any fucking sense to me. Like you're watching a part of a series. It's all connected, and I think you have to look at it in that lens. So that's one average between the two of us. Woof. That's not Again, good. compared to the other like notably bad Marvel films overall, I think there's only one that this could be compared to and it kind of skips over, but won't be easily able to skip over later on because I think that has even more tie-ins than this. But the fact that you can skip over this and it makes no difference at all, I think puts it probably at the bottom of rewatchability among all MCU films, especially in the Infinity Saga, at least Thor introduces you to Loki and gives you the backstory on that. Dark World puts the ether and the reality stone out there into the universe and gives you something that you have to call back upon in Endgame when they go to that sequence. And Captain Marvel at least shows up again. Like, they didn't recast the character after that movie. So, of, of the three, like, truly bad films or at least more mediocre than the rest. I think this one is the one where you're like, I don't need to watch it. It makes no difference whatsoever. So a one I think is, is somewhat earned. 
Yeah, this is pretty easily. I mean, I know we're going to get to it at the end, you know, years from now, but this is pretty easily my lowest ranked Marvel movie. And it's just because of that. It's not even that I think it's necessarily the worst. It's just like, it's so unimportant that it, for me, it has to be last and the rankings start at next to last. So are you going to like publish at some point all our percentages from these part ones? Oh, I've got a, a track. I don't know. I haven't really been noting percentages. I have I have noted our selections, like what we choose for each film. I don't. Well, think then I've why are we giving percentages? Because it's fun to talk about. Well, I want to revisit. I I like to hold myself accountable. If I said that Iron Man had a you know ten percent chance of being in the Hall of Fame of Greatest Heroes or whatever, I want to be held accountable by the end if he makes it or not. Okay, stop yelling at me. I will. I will get it. I will. I will get. I will get Nate on that. Nate, Who's get the percentages. Nate's yelling at me right now. He's flipping me off. Shut up, Nate. Thank you. Piss off, uh, ghost. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't wait till we get to Ragnarok. So many great lines. Oh, my God. You rode the hammer off. Uh, or, or whatever. It's New Doug. <laughs> Goodbye, New Doug. All right. So to repeat the categories here, we had a four for legacy, a four for impact significance, a 4.75 for novelty, a 3.75 for classicness, and a 1 for rewatchability. We're going to add now in the audience score. For Google users, we had a 72%. For Rotten Tomato users, we had a 69%. So our highest score of any category is actually audience score at a 7.05, giving us a final total of 24.55. And do you think it's first or second on our list? I'm going to guess it is not first. Well, it's top two and it's number two. There we go. 24.55 out of what? 80? 60. 60. If you gave 10s for everything, it would be 60. Okay. Well, yeah, that wasn't happening. (laughs) I don't think any film will ever get a full 60. No, probably not. Whether we're in this thing or in my other show. It's just too hard. For sure. Are, Are you a gambling man? I don't know if we've talked about this much. Do you gamble or no? I was born a gambling man. Nice. If you had to gamble on like the order of these films, what percentage would you gamble that this will be the lowest ranked movie in the MCU that we do? Or do you think there will be Ooh. another film that is lower than it? I know you talked about like your least favorite, but in terms of this, this scoring system, <sighs> I would say it's hard to imagine a movie getting a lower score than that. Probably. I mean, this is pretty low for overall greatness scores when it comes to the regular list. I would only think there's maybe a handful that are lower than 24.55. And some of those are just like truly terrible movies. So I have to think that even with Captain Marvel making a billion dollars, Thor having much more importance to the overall and Thor Dark World also tying in something of much more importance, even though I would say the only one that's going to be close to maybe getting there is Dark World, and that's about it. Well, my scores might bump that one up a little bit. So, Okay. Do you think if we did like a revisionist history, if Mark Ruffalo is in this movie, let's say they don't change anything else. Literally, the only thing that is different is Mark Ruffalo Using is Edward in the Norton Edward script Norton And then role. just dropping in Mark Ruffalo, I think they would have recast him by the time they get to Avengers. Okay, fine. Let's say they fix the script a little bit. Like it, like Ruffalo's in the role in this movie. They never make a sequel. Like the movie's basically the same thing. 
but they keep going. Everything's the same. Okay, How you're much talking you to think- the wrong person because I think the writer is probably one of the most important people on a movie. God damn, I'm not saying the writer isn't important. I'm just saying, if you put Ruffalo in this movie instead of Norton, how much do you think that would impact the score of this film? any of the regular Marvel writers on the Infinity Saga. Just pick one to write this movie, and then we can play your hypothetical. The, the Russos. Well, no, okay. but that... that they didn't the write Russos. those. I didn't, I didn't mean the Russos. I meant uh, McFeely and Marcus. Okay. If you're, if you're giving me those guys to do an Incredible Hulk movie and you're throwing Ruffalo in it, and now what's your hypothetical question? But that's a different question than I'm asking. <laughs> I'm saying like nothing else changes. You just put Ruffalo in it because a majority of what we said. Then I already answered that question. Well, well, a majority of what we said was this movie is hurt drastically by the recast. Like that's part of the reason why no one needs to watch this. If you take that part away and say they didn't recast it, it's still Ruffalo. Do you think that it boosts, like, how much do you think that would impact the score of this film from 24.55? Do you think it gets up to, like, 30 if you if the recast isn't in play? Maybe, but I think it's actually more significant if you go the other way around. If, instead of Ruffalo being in the rest of the series, if it's Ed Norton. Oof, so, replace know. Ruffalo with Ed Norton for the know. rest of it. I think that bumps this individual score up, but I also don't think we're doing this show. Yeah, Norton, I don't. Norton isn't funny enough. Like, I mean, Norton can be a little funny, but he just, he doesn't have the comic timing. Yeah, he he couldn't work the way Ruffalo works. That would be a disaster. The best comedy that he has is probably Rounders. He is pretty funny in this movie, though, when he holds up the pants to that woman who's behind him. Like, he's trying to get the size. That's your funny moment? Is physical humor? Who are you, Carrot Top? I thought it was pretty funny. I don't know. He's like, maybe a little more stretchy. This like, this funny. part was not supposed That's to funny. go this long. Uh, hey, we're having fun. I like to talk to you, buddy. Wow. You know, we don't get to talk to you that often. It's fun, you know? Really? Not like every day? Well, talk, talk. I mean, we text talk. Oh, talk, yeah. talk. talk, talk is better. Now we just sound like a bad Incredibles character. Also, patent pending. You say that every episode. Patent pending. When's the patent coming? Have you applied for this patent or are you just saying that? What's going on with this patent? Well, one... It's kind of the joke is that it's forever patent pending. But two, Dana has just never applied for it because I think it costs too much. Uh, isn't he a lawyer? Can he like, uh, you know? Yes, but I, can he like he's do not things, a patent you know, lawyer. Finagle things, you know, he can kind of work the system, get into ATN and just kind of, you know, work the system a little bit. Sure. Let's do that. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, that'll do it for us this week. Thank you for listening. I told you I don't want to join your super secret boy band. Next month, we are discussing the third movie in our crossover podcast with Iron Man 2 from 2010, directed by Jon Favreau, written by Justin Theroux. I don't know if that's the same as the actor, but I suppose we'll need to look that up by the time we get there. Starring Robert Downey Jr., Gwyneth Paltrow, Don Cheadle, Scarlett Johansson, Sam Rockwell, and Mickey Rourke. You won't want to miss that one, so watch ahead of the show by searching the Real Good app to find where it's streaming for you. That's R-E-E-L-G-O-O-D. Please like, follow, rate, and review, or whatever on whichever platform you have so that more can join in on our fun. You can also email the show at thenewronnieduncanstudios.com or sign up for our newsletter. Find our new Facebook page under Greatest Movie of All Time Podcast, or find us on Instagram, Twitter, or TikTok at the handle at Podcast. The Greatest Marvel Movie of All Time is a joint production of Ronnie Duncan Studios and the streaming circuit... 
This show is mixed, edited, and written by Thomas Duncan. Our music is thanks to Purple Planet Music. Our technical provider and distributor is Captivate FM.